James Swanick is an Australian-American investor, entrepreneur, speaker, and former sports center anchor on ESPN. I was at the Playboy Mansion. I was hanging out with Pamela Anderson. I jumped into the grotto. I'm drinking booze. All the Americans are like, oh my God, are you Australian? And I'm like, yeah, wow, you guys are big drinkers. And I'm like, yeah, ha, 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 ha. That was my identity. He is the creator of alcohol-free lifestyle, which helps successful high achievers change their relationship to alcohol. When you stop drinking, man, now you get to look at yourself. Now there's a light being shone on how you've been behaving in life. And some people, that can be a real kind of icky situation. He's the host of the podcast, Alcohol Free Lifestyle, creator of Project 90, which helps high achievers get lifetime power over alcohol. The funny thing is when I stopped drinking, yeah, that identity had to die and it was a bit uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable at times, but the new identity, the new ego, I guess you could say, or maybe not having as much ego, I took that ego back to the Playboy Mansion, this time alcohol-free, and I had a far superior time because I was present. Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. So James, now you're alcohol free and your business, your mission is to help others break free from this, this habit. Not even an addiction for some of them, it's a bad habit. But can you bring us back to the day or maybe even the moment when you decided that this was enough? You were going to stop drinking. March 11th, 2010. I was in Austin, Texas. I was at the South by Southwest Festival, which is an annual festival there. I went out on a Friday night and I had two Bombay Sapphire gin and tonics from an open bar at an industry party. I did not get drunk. I just had a couple drinks. I got a taxi home or a taxi back to my hotel about 15 minutes outside of downtown Austin. Went to sleep. I woke up in the morning and I just felt blah. I looked in the mirror. I was weathered in my skin. I kind of just felt a pouch of fat around my waist. I'd put on about 25 pounds, maybe like 14 kilos, maybe maybe 12, 13 kilos over the space of like six months. I wasn't, I hadn't slept very well. I could taste the gin in my mouth. And I went next door to the hotel to an IHOP, which is an international house of pancakes, which is kind of like a fast food chain in the uni United States. And I sat down there in this IHOP and I looked around and there were some really unhealthy looking people eating all you can eat pancakes with whipped cream and I'm looking at this menu that have, has photos of all of the, the greasy food that I could order and I looked out the window and I just said to myself what are you doing enough why are you living this life of mediocrity of feeling slow and lethargic and overweight and tired and weathered and low energy so I just committed in that moment, in that booth, in that International House of Pancakes at about 9.30 in the morning to take a 30-day break from alcohol. 
And that's what I did. I took a 30-day break from alcohol. And in 30 days, I lost 13 pounds, which is about 6 kilograms. I slept better. I looked better. I had more energy. Six weeks later, I, I got my dream job hosting a television show, Sports Center on ESPN. And I just thought, man, this alcohol-free living is pretty damn good. And I got to one year later at the same festival in 2011, and I went to a bar called the Luster Pearl Bar on Rainy Street in Austin, Texas. And I went and ordered a Bud Light as, to have a celebratory beer. And as I went to put the beer to my mouth, I paused for a moment and I said to myself, in one year, you've lost 25 pounds, you've got your dream job hosting a TV show, you've attracted higher caliber people into your life, amazing romantic relationship, you look good, feel good, I think I might just hand this beer back. And I did, I handed the beer back and I haven't picked up an alcoholic drink since, so it's been 13 years and counting now. Incredible. What was, or what were the biggest challenges, especially within, that, within the 30 day period? Because I'd imagine that was, maybe I'm wrong, maybe that was the biggest struggle throughout that whole process. Was it the 30 days? Or as you reflect back, what were those biggest struggles you had when you were trying to create a new life for yourself ultimately? I think the most challenging part was the first two or three nights when I went out at this festival and there was open bars and parties and I was being alcohol free. And, and so I candidly, I probably did white knuckle it and use some self-discipline to avoid drinking on those first few nights. But then after a few nights, I started feeling pretty damn good, you know, sleeping a little better and I was clear. I wasn't tired and lethargic. My dietary choices were a lot uh, healthier as well. And then, um, when I went back to Los Angeles, where I was living at the time, I went to this bar called the Jones Bar on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. And I went there with my friends, Zach and Tom, and they were my drinking buddies. And we used to go there a couple times a week on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night, midweek. And when I got back to LA, we went there on a Tuesday night and I told them, oh, I'm not drinking, I'm taking a 30 day break. And my friend, Zach, uh, I mean, you might call him a friend. He went to the bar to get around and he came back and said, Here, here's your soda water. And as I went to, to sip it, he kind of, I saw it, he had a grin on his face. And I looked at him, I said, did you put vodka in this? And he went, uh, yeah, I did. And uh, in a very Australian slang, Aussie Ocker kind of way, I said, you wanker. And I gave him the drink back. And so it was a little bit challenging to have friends not really respect my choice to be alcohol free. But that was, you know, that was a rare um, occasion. Most friends just supported me. I was actually surprised at how many people were like, oh, that's cool. That's great. Zach, at, at, in that moment, really was only one of a handful of times that people kind of tried to egg me on and go, go on, have a drink, you'll be fine. Um, and then uh, I had a date with a woman called Andrea and I invited her to that very bar a couple of weeks later as well and I was a bit self-conscious about the fact that I was inviting a woman out on a date and I was going to have to reveal that I was alcohol free so what I actually did was I got to the rest to the bar 15 minutes earlier and told the waiter the barman when I order a vodka soda can you just make it a soda like I'm trying to hide the fact that I'm not drinking from my date and he goes yeah man I got you so I went through this whole date where she drank couple glasses of wine and I drank soda water but she thought I was drinking vodka soda because I didn't have the confidence enough to be able to share with her that I wasn't drinking and then about four weeks later we were at the Coachella Music Festival and her friend said to me oh James you want a drink I'm gonna get a drink I said oh no I don't I haven't drunk in like 
30 days or something. And Andrea said, yes, you have. You drank on our on our first date. And I was like, oh, actually, no, I didn't. I, I'm, and she said, what, so you were pretending? And I went, yeah. And she was really upset with me, like to the point where we didn't really progress past that because she felt like I had lied to her or withheld from her. And uh, that was a good, that was a big lesson for me as well, you know, like to not even try to hide the fact that you're not drinking, just be open and transparent about it. Because the fact that I hid it and then she found out cost me a <laughs> romantic relationship with it. So, um, yeah, and then I think um, people would think that maybe six months into this or a year into this, you'd be tempted to have a drink. No, it just got easier and easier. There's been a couple occasions where I've, say to myself geez i could smash an ice cold beer right now but that's only been you know a couple times over 13 years and that feeling has only ever lasted about five seconds and then it's gone again mm -hmm. yeah isn't it terrible that we have to hide the fact that we're alcohol free from certain people especially at the beginning of that process because often we continue drinking because we're afraid to upset the people in our lives like your friend there as well who spiked your drink pretty much with vodka and you're dead and you having to hide this this thing that you you want to change in your life uh, for the fear of their reactions and i think that's a massive thing that holds a lot of people back from making this change i speak to men all the time who are looking to make shifts and changes in their life and part of those changes is breaking free from the alcohol and to break free from the alcohol, you need to break free from certain people who are associated with the life that you live as a alcohol drinker. So it's the willingness to let go of those people and and those environments to move forward towards something better. So was that something you did? did? Did you maintain friendships and relationships with people in that, let's say, past life that are now part of your life today? Or did you have to let go of people in order to move forward as well? I didn't consciously cut my friends. What I found was that I naturally moved towards a different group of friends. So I didn't make a conscious choice saying, I can't hang out with Zach anymore. But what I did do is I, I signed up to train for a half marathon and raise some money for a charity. And so on a Saturday morning, uh, you know, we'd start running at 7 a.m which made me go to sleep earlier on a Friday night. And then the people I were meeting on a Saturday morning tended to be health, more health conscious, weren't really into alcohol, if at all, um, were into supporting people for, through raising charities. They would then invite me to a party. I'd go to a party. There wasn't much alcohol there. It certainly wasn't necessary to create this social occasion. I went up to Hollywood Boulevard next to the Chinese Man Theater there and I joined the local gym, which is called LA Fitness. And I joined LA Fitness and I did a couple of group classes where I met a couple of nice women and a couple of guys. And then we kind of started to socialize and started to talk about deeper things in life. And I just found that, um, you know, I didn't consciously say, I'm not going to go to Jones Bar with Tom and Zach on a Tuesday or a Thursday anymore. I still went a handful of times, but what I found was that just kind of started to peter out a little bit, and my focus and my time was now spent in what I would describe as a higher vibration type of energy. And when I say higher vibration, I just mean um, more positive, more, you know, people who have maybe like done some personal development, trying to do better, growth mindset, as opposed to 
what I experienced at the Jones Bar when I went there, which was conversation about football, which is fine. I like talking about football. Um, maybe some complaints and whining about whatever's going on in our lives at the time. Um, you know, like inane conversations with people that you would meet at the bar. Um, you know, surface level stuff. Yeah, not nothing with great depth or nothing that nothing that leaves you feeling lifted or a little bit more fulfilled for for being in that environment around those people. Yeah, just surface level stuff. Now, look, surface level stuff could be fine for a phase of your life. I'm not not knocking it, but at that because I had the clarity and the focus and the energy from being alcohol-free, the surface-level stuff didn't interest me nearly as much as the deeper stuff, Yeah, as actually having engaged present conversations. Because when you're drinking, you're not really present. You're scattered, you're distracted, you're kind of all over the place, aren't you? But when you're having a present conversation with someone, you're really listening. You're really taking them in and they're really listening to you and and taking you in and you can create at least in my experience a much deeper connection that way and and people mistakenly think that that sounds boring or dull it's not it's actually really fun and adventurous and exciting and especially exciting and adventurous to just be with yourself without any kind of substance helping you along the way to just be completely alcohol free to be completely chemical free and to actually have a conscious present conversation with someone can be really fun and exciting and adventurous. Yeah, I'm with you there, man, for sure. I'm, I'm in the same boat. As you reflect back on your life with alcohol, have you been able to identify the type of relationship you had with it? Like, would you have called yourself an alcoholic? Would you have said even that you had a problem with alcohol? As you reflect back on that process of your life, that journey, that, that part of your life, what what are some of the insights you've, you've gained? I wouldn't have said that I had a problem with alcohol, although alcohol definitely was causing me problems. So I was a socially acceptable drinker. I grew up in Australia, my native country. There, drinking is just normalized. Uh, I had a couple of drinks most nights of the week, and then on weekends I drink heavier Sometimes I'd get drunk, but most of the times I was just a consistent drinker. So I wasn't getting arrested. I wasn't waking up in a ditch. I wasn't doing that many stupid things. I, d I mean, look, I definitely did embarrassing stupid things on occasion, but I would think that society would have just gone, ah, yeah, he's fine. He's just having a couple of drinks. No big deal. But it was a big deal, I came to learn, because I put on a lot of weight and... My relationships were uh, okay, and I didn't sleep great. And it was holding me back on the things that I really wanted to create in my life. So when you say, you know, did you consider that you had a drinking problem? At the time, I didn't think I had a drinking problem. And even now, I don't think I had a drinking problem. But like I said, drinking was causing me problems. And the problems it was causing me was that I was not moving forward on my goals at the rate that I w wanted to. I wasn't creating the romantic relationship that I really wanted to. My friendships were pretty good, but they weren't outstanding. My sleep was, eh, all right, but I didn't think it was a big deal back then. Now I've come to realize that quality sleep is everything. That affects your mood and your body composition and your clarity. 
And, um, you know, the biggest thing for me, really, the noteworthy thing, other than the change in my looks when I stopped drinking alcohol, because what happened was I stopped drinking alcohol and I lost a lot of weight, a lot of puffiness from my face and my skin kind of came back to its natural glow. People started commenting like, wow, have you been working out? Have you been working out? You look amazing. And it was just I'd stopped having toxins in my skin. Um, but the big thing that really happened was my productivity and my strategic thinking about all areas of my life just went to a different level. So now looking back, I'd say it caused me problems that now it doesn't. I've still got problems in my life, but now I just have a whole belt of tools from which to pull from to be able to handle those problems, all those challenges. Whereas back then, I was probably drinking to handle the problems that drinking was actually creating. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been thinking there. It's as if your life wasn't where you wanted to be at and you brought the alcohol in to sort of bring your life up to a higher frequency for a short period of time, almost like an escapism from your vague reality. Whereas when you remove the alcohol, you can then hone in and focus on this reality and take ownership responsibility for it, make changes there, improve that reality so you don't have to then to to dip into uh, these escapisms or these soothers such as alcohol, other things as well can be used. You know, they're all under the same umbrella. It could be alcohol, porn, gambling, drugs, you know, to take you away from your vague reality. Your reality is pretty good because you've honed in and you've focused on it and you've improved it. So you don't really need to run away from it or escape it or escape it. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, look, the reason why people watch so much porn and drink so much alcohol and fall in love so many times and are shopaholics or are workaholics is because we're trying to escape the feeling of being us. It, it can feel challenging for human beings to go through the human experience. And so we're always seeking this relief from our stress and anxiety with something that can numb us. And in this conversation, we're talking about the use of alcohol. For other people, it's porn. For other people, it's working so hard and so much that 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 becomes the distraction that creates the release or the relief from actually being present with yourself. So I'm not here to, to suggest that every single minute that you are alcohol-free in the beginning is going to be all sunshine and rainbows. Generally it is, but when you stop drinking, man, now you get to look at yourself. Now there's a light being shone on how you've been behaving in life. And some people, that can be a real kind of icky situation because now you've really got to end that relationship or now you've really got to say, I'm sorry to someone. Or now you actually have to start that business that you've been scared to start and you've been procrastinating on and that feels uncomfortable. Then you actually have to get your nutrition dialed in and start working out. Now you have to really start to make peace with how mummy and daddy treated you when you were a kid. Now you have to shine a light on where you haven't been showing up in the world and that's uncomfortable and, and at times for me it felt like running through rose bushes getting cut up by the thorns but then when I came out the other side 
it's like, oh, this is beautiful. At least, at the very least, so much more beautiful than any temporary illusionary pleasure that I get from drinking attractively packaged poison. Mm -hmm. What were some of those things that came to the surface for you that 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 stung? Well, I was uh, treating women as um, what's the phrase? There was a beautiful line in that Casino Royale James Bond movie with uh, Daniel Craig, where he's on the train with Vesper Lynn, and she's and they're on the train, they're having a quick dinner conversation. Do you know the scene I'm talk talking about? Yeah, I'm familiar with the movie, but yeah, it's yeah. been a while since I've seen that one, yeah. And she says, my guess is, Mr. Bond, that you treat women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. I think that's the line. I'll have to Google it, but it's that, something yeah. either that or very similar. And so I recognized at the time that my dating life was hunting and killing and and, you know, trivial pleasures and then when i became alcohol free and i had that realization i shifted to actually really what i would really savor in this world is a meaningful relationship with a high vibration high conscious woman as opposed to just attractive looking west hollywood los angeles hollywood women dressed up looking really not nice but maybe not the kind of emotional frequency that i really was longing for so that was one aspect of it, and that fundamentally changed how I showed up in romantic relationships from that day day forward. And then, um, you know, in my health, I just came to realize it's like, James, you're out of shape. Look at you. You got a beer belly. What the hell are you doing? You're 35 years old and you got a beer belly. You don't stop this. You're heading to a, like, not just an early grave, but just an unattractive, unappealing, not particularly energetic kind of lifestyle. Right? I played rugby for years and years and years. I was always fit. And then when I moved to Los Angeles in 2002, end of 2002, I joined the Los Angeles Rugby Club and I played rugby there for some years. And when I finally, quote unquote, retired, you know, just stopped playing, I wasn't that good, trust me. The, the word, when you say I retired, it kind of makes it sound like you were a professional. I was, I was just a pretty good social player. But when I stopped playing, that year after I stopped playing, I didn't go to training two days a week and I didn't play rugby on the third day of the week so there was three days a week there that i was burning calories tackling people being tackling kicking sprinting jumping all those kind of things just stopped overnight and that's when i put on a whole bunch of weight so and i didn't get back into that i just let it slide and that's how i put on you know as much weight as i did it so for me it was looking in the mirror and going geez you're out of shape dude you got to do something about that. And that's when I joined the, you know, started training for the half marathon. I joined LA Fitness. I started doing some spinning classes, which were just being presented to the world at that stage. It wasn't really a big thing as it is now. You know, that, that kind of stuff. And then just how I deal with stress and anxiety and how I was lashing out at people and making people wrong a lot of times. Like if I was in a combative argument or a debate or a dispute or something like that, I, I would try to prove that I was right. And then... I did some self-development stuff like um, we did a 10-day silent meditation called Vipassana. I did a program called Landmark Education. Um, I did. Uh, I went to started going to some seminars, and then I started to realize, wow, look at me. I'm just trying to be right all the time. I can be right or I can be happy. I think I might just go for the happy part, and that really helped me to process my emotions a lot more and 
and um, you know get into the self-development world and, and learn more about how I perceive the world and how I move through the world and my way of being. So yeah, you know that's uncomfortable when you're doing that. But again, you come out the other side and you're like, wow, this is so much better. Mm-hmm. You were silencing the ego throughout that process. Which yeah. Was a, which was probably a massive driver for the drinking as well. You sort of have this yeah. persona built up over the years that you're this type of guy, which becomes part of your ego. Yes. Especially in the type of business and industry you're in. Yes. I mean, I was the Australian expat guy living in Los Angeles, going to the Playboy Mansion parties and Oscars parties and Golden Globes and MTV movies after parties and having a good time. I'm the fun, lovable, rugby-playing, drinking, Aussie, fun guy. That was the stereotype, right? That was the identity that I had created. It was fun. It was fun. I'm not saying it was miserable. It was fun. I was at the Playboy Mansion. I was hanging out with Pamela Anderson. I jumped into the grotto. I'm drinking booze. There was some guy from the Backstreet Boys was there or NSYNC and Stone Cold Steve Austin and the actor Owen Wilson and some guy, Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit, the, the rock band. And there was that woman who was in that 1980s TV show, Charles in Charge. What was she called? Nicole Eggert. She was in Baywatch. And I was drinking. I was drinking from the open bar and having a, having a wonderful time. And all the Americans are like, oh, my God, are you Australian? And I'm like, yeah, wow, you guys are big drinkers. And I'm like, yeah, we sure are. Let's do a shot. Come on, I'll drink you under the table. Ha, 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 ha. That was my identity. But you know, the funny thing is when I stopped drinking, yeah, that identity had to die. And it was a bit uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable at times. But the new identity, the new ego, I guess you could say, or maybe not having as much ego, I took that ego back to the Playboy Mansion, this time alcohol-free, and I had a far superior time because I was present and I was clear and I was drinking soda water ice at a piece of lime all night and I was looking at these attractive women and I was looking at these movie stars and I'm dancing on a table with these random people having fun and they're drinking champagne and I'm drinking soda water and I got to take it in and have this amazing time. I didn't need the ego of I'm the Australian who's the drinker. I just... I was just me being present, taking it all in. So I've had, you know, a life with alcohol, created a persona, and now I'm living a life without alcohol. Maybe I've created a new persona, but I far... Uh, maybe it's your far, true, maybe, maybe that's your true persona now. Maybe. It's definitely... I think we've all got an ego we're creating, right? But this is def- definitely more of the natural persona that's coming through, for sure. Yeah. Did you receive much pushback from the people in those type of circles when you weren't drinking at these parties and pubs and lots of stuff? No, they kept asking me, how do you do it? That was the reason why I even started my business in 2015 because I was going to all these parties and having a wonderful time and my friends and acquaintances would see me dancing on tables, fraternizing with attractive women joking around having a great time while nursing a soda water ice and a piece of lime and they're like how do you do it i'm like i don't know i just do it then in 2015 i just got a little tired of being asked about it all the time so i created this online program called the 30 day no alcohol challenge it's still there it's still online and available to to people today it's at 30 day no com, and i created this 30 day video course where i'll send you a video a day for 30 days to hold you accountable you go into a 
a private Facebook group to get support from other members. Then I'll help you stop drinking for a little while. That's, that was the catalyst. It wasn't the, that people were giving me a hard time for not drinking. It was that people were admiring me for not drinking. That was when I was like, okay, there's a, probably a cool, fun little business here where I can actually support people to have a better relationship with alcohol and maybe create a business for myself and make some money in the process. And that's how this whole alcohol-free lifestyle movement for me as a business was started. Fast forward to today, we now help you know, mostly guys over the age of 30, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, financial, financially comfortable, um, not alcoholics, but just know they're drinking too much and they want to escape the stop-start cycle. We help that demographic to have a far better relationship with alcohol. Have you had someone there on that program that you hold in memory more so than anybody else in terms of the place they were before they reached out to you to where you eventually got them to yeah i mean there's too many to to list i'll, I'll give you a few there's a gentleman called christian and he lives in the uk he's got a place in london and a place in cheshire south of manchester south of manchester and he was married and his wife became terminally ill and he essentially was with her in the last few years helping her through her last years and he was drinking incredibly heavily very heavily and then she died and he drank even more and then he reached out to me and our organization and he said i need some help and we said okay and he was a mess in his own words he was a mess right he was devastated at his wife's passing he was drinking a bottle and a half of wine a day a night um sometimes more was heartbroken not in a good place we helped him get alcohol free and in the during the 90 days that he was with us he remembered and identified that his late wife had encouraged him to cross off one of the items on his bucket list which was to learn how to sail and sail across the ocean and so that's exactly what he did he decided to do that he learned how to sail and about Two months ago, he took off from the west coast of Africa from a Spanish island and sailed for 17 days across the ocean to St. Lucia in the Caribbean. And uh, as a testament to his late wife and to achieve this bucket list item, he remains alcohol free. He has a amazing, uh, he has amazing energy and a really fun lifestyle. And, um, yeah, I interviewed him on my podcast. I have a podcast called Alcohol-Free Lifestyle. It's in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. You can listen to it. His name's Christian. He's, and uh, that, was a really, that was a really kind of powerful transformation. I'll, get, I'll give you just a couple quick, quick more. One gentleman made $250,000 more income in the 90 days that he stopped drinking with us. He's a realtor in um, Boston, Massachusetts. And... Um, he said he did two more deals, two more real estate deals in those 90 days that he knows he would not have done if he had been drinking. Because when he was drinking, he wouldn't have made the extra call, wouldn't have had the clarity, the strategy, wouldn't have got up a little earlier to get things moving along. 
And the two deals totaled $250,000, quarter of a million dollars in additional income for him as a result of doing those two extra deals. So stopping drinking literally made him a quarter of a million dollars in three months. That's pretty cool. And then you have someone named John Keltner. He won't mind me mentioning his name because he's been on the podcast a few times. He lives in um, California, Northern California, and he lost, I think, 30 pounds from stopping drinking. He had to get smaller framed glasses because he lost so much weight that the glasses started to look a size too big on his face. And uh, he would go to his local pub. He never stopped going to his local pub slash bar because he used to go there four nights a week and he still goes there four nights a week. But now he orders soda water ice and a piece of lime and sometimes soda water with cranberry juice. In fact, now the bar men and the bar women and the other clientele have nicknamed him the soda cran man. And, and now he's that's how he's affectionately known. He's, he's the soda cran man because he walks in there and he has that and he's still fun, he's still engaging and he's lost all that weight. And now he just feels amazing. He hasn't drunk now. I think we worked with him in the end of 2018. So what's that? That's four and a bit years now. He's still alcohol free. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Incredible stories, man. And many more along with them, I'm sure. What is it that you feel differentiates your program or your process from your typical 12-step process or the AA? Yeah, so interesting, a couple of things on that. AA has a reported 7% success rate of helping people to stop drinking long-term. I would encourage you to do your own research, but if you just Google AA, actual success rate, it comes in at an estimated 7%, which means it has a 93% failure rate. Now, all of the AA defenders will say, oh, it's helped millions of people over the years. And you know what? That's true. It has helped millions of people over the years. But it hasn't helped 10 times as many people who've attempted it. It's ineffective, statistically speaking. Now, you see there, I, I didn't give you my opinion. I just reported the data. The data is is that it fails for 93% of people who attempt it. Here's my opinion. My opinion is, is that the reason it's so ineffective is because... You're lamenting the past. You have to admit that you're an alcoholic when you probably are not an alcoholic. You're just someone who drinks too much at the moment. You must surrender to a higher power. You have to say, I am powerless over this addiction. I call BS on that. That's the biggest load of BS I've ever heard. You're not powerless. You're powerful. So the difference you asked me between AA, traditional, stop drinking, processes and ours is that instead of surrendering to a higher power and conceding you're powerless we say you're powerful we're empowering you instead of it being oh you know messed up my life i drink too much we're like blah 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 we're only interested in what you're going to do now what are you going to create from being alcohol free what do you want to create Let's create that instead of, oh, yeah, my mommy didn't love me and, oh, I crashed the car and, oh, I said all these terrible things and now I've got to go and make amends and follow these. I'm like, no, 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 no. How are you going to live your life now? So we're not saying no to alcohol. We're saying yes to an alcohol-free lifestyle. Over in AA and traditional steps, the conversation is always, 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 don't drink, shouldn't drink, you need to stop, you've got to be sober. You can't have another drop for the rest of your life, blah, 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 blah. 
over where we do our work, where we support people, we don't use the word sober. Because sober implies that you're saying no to something that ordinarily you would choose. We're like, we're alcohol-free. Instead of saying, I can't drink, I shouldn't drink, I need to stop drinking, we're saying, I easily only drink soda water, ice, and lime. I easily only drink something that's good for me. I'm easily going up to the bar, and I'm going to get blind on this soda water, ice, and a piece of lime. I'm going to the bar right now. I'm getting a soda. I'm the soda cran man. I'm going to get a soda water cranberry juice. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I'm six months alcohol-free. I will go toe-for-toe with you. For every shot that you have at the bar of vodka, I'll have a shot of soda water. Ha, ha, ha. Right? So we're making a very light, fun experience, an empowering experience, and we're encouraging you to focus on what you will do rather than focus on what you will not do because the human mind, they've done these studies of neuroscience that shows it's a heck of a lot easier for you to accomplish a goal if you focus on what you will do as opposed to focus on what you will not do. So that's the difference. Ours is fun, empowering, gets you focused in the future. Nobody admits they're an alcoholic at our program because you're not. You just drink too much at the moment, and we're going to help you by simply rewiring your mindset around alcohol, and we're going to get you focused on this way, moving forward towards something as opposed to, I've got to move away from this thing. Mm -hmm. Is is there a process there where they, they need to go through that period of, feeling the pain or acknowledging the pain or grieving the pain that's potentially influencing the alcohol in the first place? Yes, there is. I'm not saying that it's always easy or always feels really fun. There is, but we're not spending days and weeks and months on this stuff, right? We're like, yep, we acknowledge it. Okay, this is where it's coming from. Yep, I get it. All right. Maybe some of it's not your fault but it is your responsibility. What we're, what we're coaching is 100% responsibility. Instead of blaming outside circumstances, people, situations. The past. The past. We're like, you're 100% responsible. You're 100% responsible for everything that comes into your life. And even more than that, we encourage people to step into a way of thinking that is you're 100% responsible for everything that's going on in other people's lives and the world in general. That's a scary concept that we're generating not just our life, but we're generating others' lives as well through our actions. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, we do that. We look at the past, we acknowledge it, but we're not sitting there like stewing around every single meeting going, my life is terrible and it's awful and I made all these mistakes. It's like, yeah, you're, you know, I I made some mistakes. I did this thing and this is what happened. Great. What are you going to do about it? Oh, I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to acknowledge it. Or I'm just, I'm just going to move forward. Great. Let's do that. Okay, cool. When are you going to do that by? Uh, next week. What day? Next week. Uh, Tuesday. What time? Next Tuesday. Two o'clock. Great more specific right we're getting people in action we're holding them accountable otherwise there's this parkinson's law effect where it's like oh yeah i'll sort this out next month blah 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 it doesn't really happen you got to put it on the calendar got to name a date that you're going to accomplish something by and then move towards that so a lot of it is accountability community coaching it's fun you know there's skin in the game as well there's a big difference between aa and us like aa is free and it has a 93 percent failure rate we're not free we're not the most expensive, but we're not the most cost-effective either. 
and we have a 92% plus success rate. So another reason not to trust free stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, skin in the game is so important, yeah. yeah that, that investment, you're making a financial commitment to make a change. And yes, excellent, man. Well done on the great, great work you're doing. So how has your relationships with women changed or have you managed to find that woman that you sought out after you stopped drinking and how did that begin to cultivate in your life yes yes i have took a few different relationships to get there but those relationships were all outstanding none of them were troubled relationships or challenging relationships they're all beautiful relationships the caliber of woman that i attracted into my life just jumped up so noticeably it's interesting my I guess my last three significant relationships, none of them drank more than maybe like a drink a month. Either they didn't drink at all or they just had a drink on occasion. Alcohol just wasn't part of their life or their lifestyle. It was just of such minor significance. So they either didn't drink at all or they just have one a drink here or there on occasion. Now, I didn't advertise that. I didn't go out saying, oh, I don't drink, I don't drink. I mean, it came up in conversation. On, on a, I could go out on a first date with them. And then the conversation would, would come up then. And I'd say, oh, I don't drink. And then what do you know? My date would say, oh, yeah, I, I don't drink either. Wow, what a shocker. It's just this energy that it just attracts it, attracts like-minded people into you, right? And if you're a guy and you're listening to this and you're on dating apps and alcohol you want that to be a very small part of your life. The moment you start seeing photos of women on the dating apps and they're, they're, every photo they're posing with a champagne glass or a wine and, and everything like that, swipe left instead of swiping right because the values are just different, right? And so many people do this, men and women. They go on, they go on a trip, they're in a jacuzzi, they're on a sunset and they've got this, wait, got to get the prop and they pull out the beer or they'll pull out the wine as if this is the symbol of really living life. It's, it's ridiculous, these props, this attractively packaged poison as a prop. Anyway, um, the women I naturally seemed to meet were health conscious, conscious communicators into growth and uh, personal development, health and fitness, ate well, were close to their family, um, but just a higher caliber of, of women. And I didn't even really go out seeking that personality type or that criteria, but they just found their way to me. So be the person you want to attract and you will attract that person. Boom. Yes. <laughs> you are what you attract. And yes, that is a great statement, man. And what does your life look like? today then you know your fast forward to 13 years you're alcohol free now 13 years yeah so what does your general routine what does your general week kind of look like now being alcohol free for for this long well i own three businesses i have my alcohol free lifestyle business which supports high achievers to have a better relationship with alcohol i have my sleep business called swanic sleep which produces blue light blocking glasses and melatonin and things like that to help people sleep better and I have a digital marketing agency which helps um, businesses online to promote themselves through Facebook and Google and things like that 
Um, I wake up in the morning, most mornings around seven. Uh, I write in my diary 20 things that I'm grateful for. I put on my gym clothes and I walk to a gym wherever I am and I'll work out and exercise in a fasted state. I'll have uh, a six to eight egg breakfast. A six to eight egg bre for breakfast. I eat a lot of eggs. Maybe with some good fats like avocado and some grass-fed butter. I'll then start taking some work calls, doing some work stuff for a couple of hours. I eat very quickly for lunch. So I only have a two-hour gap between breakfast and lunch. I smash a big lunch. I work in the afternoon. And then around 5.36, I will uh, dine with my family or friends and uh, go out to a restaurant. Usually, I like to eat out. And um, have dinner, making sure that I'm not eating uh, too close to bedtime. Uh, and then uh, I'll make sure I have a, a great night's sleep. I'll set up my room to ensure that it, there's blackout curtains. I wear an aura ring to track my sleep. I don't uh, eat or drink within three hours of sleep. I wear my blue light blocking glasses from my own company. They're called Swannies at nighttime to block the artificial light. I still am on screens. Um, but I'm, I'm wearing a pair of blue light blocking glasses with the orange lens while I'm doing it, so I'm protecting my melatonin release. And then, um, yeah, so each day I'm probably working maybe three or four hours a day, an actual work like this. I'm doing a podcast interview with you now. I'm going to do another one uh, shortly after this. I'm having calls with my staff. But I'm, you know, I'm not going into an office. I'm walking around, or I'm out, get out, getting sunshine. Um, every quarter, I like discipline. Discipline's a big thing for you, is it at this point? Yeah. Or, or would you even call it? Would you even would it even be discipline? Or is it just the way for you at this point? I mean, I, I mean, is is there is there a is there a resistance there on a regular basis? Like getting up at seven, training, you know, work stuff, you know. Is there a daily resistance there? And do you sort of lean into the resistance or is it not that difficult? Or do you not have to be that disciplined? There's a resistance with certain things like writing my daily 20 gratitude. I have a resistance to that because I have recognized that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I want to do is grab my phone and start scrolling. So there's a resistance to doing the 20 things I'm grateful for. I don't particularly like starting that process. Once I'm into it, I, li I like it. There's no resistance around going to the gym. I've done it so many times now, it's just what I do. In fact, I saw a great interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger recently, seven-time Mr. Olympia, former governor, Hollywood movie star, producer, and he said it doesn't hurt him to go to the gym. He doesn't have resistance around going to the gym. He just goes. It's just, just what he does. So I've kind of moved past that, oh, I don't want to go to the gym, and into I want to go to the gym. Because what I actually do is, yeah, because what I do is I actually, the, the pleasure I get is not from being in the gym. The pleasure I get is from about 30 to 45 minutes after I've left the gym, when I've showered, put on a fresh set of clothes, and now I'm eating some breakfast, six to eight eggs with some, you know, flavor in them. And then the rest of that day, that's the pleasure I get. The pleasure is not being in the gym and moving the metal. It's the endorphins that I'm getting after that. So it's not even... It actually causes me pain not to go to the gym. I've got resistance around not going to the gym. Does it feel that way for yeah. you, Gavin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Not working out is the 
hardest part of the workout process here or the workout week here so but I, I i'm typically there six seven days a week anyway um if not if not in the gym i'm out running or doing something yeah so i just i need that i need yeah yeah and I, I need to yeah. take on something difficult in the morning so that it sets me up for the day you know having overcome a challenge in the morning it just sets the momentum for the rest of the day for whatever comes so what there's other benefits there too but that's the main one for me that's that's what it is and i do journal in the morning as well but my journal is don't really do a gratitude thing I, I used to add the gratitude but now it's just a brain dump of feelings and thoughts that i have in the morning could be anything and there's probably a bit of gratitude you know in in that as well things that i'm thankful for or appreciate of that happened the day before or what's happening today or whatever it might be the feelings and, and thoughts that i have so yeah and yeah i do feel if there isn't like if you're not disciplined with these type of routines on the other side of that if it's just pleasurable stuff because as you mentioned picking up the phone in the morning time and scrolling through your socials or whatever else that's that's nice and easy and pleasurable but that shows you how to sink for the rest of the day so by being disciplined it actually creates a more fulfilling life by going towards the pleasure it creates a, a life of lack you're not firing on all cylinders so there's more misery in the pleasure with alcohol too of course so that's another factor yeah yeah you agree yeah yeah i do i uh i scroll aimlessly on my phone i do but I do it at strategic t times. Like I do it after I've accomplished considerable amounts of stuff during the day. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of come to, while I'm scrolling, some of them are like, ah, oh, this can't be good. I, I could be using this time more effectively. However, if I'm scrolling after I've accomplished stuff in the day, I actually give myself a bit of a pass on it. Because it's too easy for us to just be so optimized in life and so disciplined monk mode that you just become like a robot yeah. you know at least for me anyway so i give myself those simple pleasures and here's one thing i don't i don't compromise on i'm a tottenham hotspur english soccer league supporter right long suffering i have to say and uh you know i, didn't, I never liked soccer never liked football because I grew up playing rugby, but I moved to London in 99 and I, I was a roommate with this guy who was just a massive Tottenham fan and I became a Tottenham fan and now I'm a massive Tottenham fan. One thing I don't compromise on is whenever Tottenham is playing and the game's on the TV or I can get a, a stream on my phone, I will literally drop other stuff and make sure that I create the time to watch that. Like as you and I are recording this, Gavin, Tottenham, Tottenham starting in... 15 minutes to tell <laughs> yeah no so are so are manchester united and i'm a manchester united fan and I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same i'll drop everything to watch united now i've been a i've been a i've been a united fan since i was six or seven years of age so i've lived through the whole era of ferguson and mm. everything else so it's kind of ingrained at this point and yeah the FA cup the FA cup quarterfinals starts in 15 minutes yeah so yeah <laughs> we've set up this meeting quite strategically for both of us yeah we have yeah and I don't, I don't compromise on that and that's i don't even know whether it's a guilty pleasure or whether it's just me identifying that that gives me pleasure in life and i'm willing to sacrifice what other people might call like robotic work and work and stuff like that for it 
So even if there's like stuff that I got to crush out in work and there's a Tottenham game on that I can watch, I'm still going to watch the Tottenham game because it gives me genuine pleasure. Mm. Now, some might argue that's a waste of two hours because you could spend that two hours doing something else. And I'm like, well, it gives me pleasure. It gives me joy. So I'm not going to be so regimented that I'm going to compromise what gives me yeah. joy that's not really hurting me. No, it's not hurting. No. I mean, you're not adding stimulants to your body. Well, actually, it is hurting me because Tottenham are playing crap. Yeah. But I, I, interesting now, I, I did go through a process there of maybe four or five years. It was it was when Ferguson left, but that I, I stopped. I stopped watching United and I did go into this sort of mode of no work, discipline, sort your life out, no pleasures, you know, limit your sugar, limit your alcohol. And yeah, I went into like a, a very rigid, regimental mindset, which on the outside, things were working quite well. Productivity was high, business going good. But other things started suffering because I was ultimately quite miserable within that process because I restricted myself of anything that gave me pleasure. So it's only, it's interesting, only, only over the last three years I've started to bring it back into my life. And at this point I'm saying, yeah, fuck it. You know, I'm a United fan. I enjoy watching them. It brings me joy. And I'm not fucking drinking alcohol. I don't eat a lot of sugar, if any at all. I'm really disciplined in every other area of my life. You know, like yourself. I pick up the phone and I scroll now and again. Like 99.9% of people out there. There's that. But that there's nothing else that I really do that is pleasurable from the outside in and that's it so I'm gonna allow myself that and what is it really max three hours a week 90, 90 minute match twice a week so you could have picked a better team though <laughs> say say it's a Tottenham Hotspur fan yeah <laughs> yeah 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 no, we're doing we're doing okay now yeah Things are turning. It's yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. W would you come to London at any point and watch them again? Yeah, I do. I try to get there at least once a season. It, it ends up being probably once every two seasons, to be honest. But uh, I keep looking at the schedule and thinking, how can I get there to London? And I, I don't want to fly there just for one game. I have done that. I flew over for the League Cup final in 2008 when Tottenham beat Chelsea. And that was a great experience. But I kind of want to look at the calendar and see if I can get two games in a week and and hopefully at, at Tottenham's home. So I've got to look for those strategic weekends where the weeks where there's Tottenham plays two home games in a row. A nice one. Um, yeah, well, if, 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 well if, they, yeah. if they play United, so I'll, I'll, I'll join you there, man. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll celebrate afterwards. Um, what, what soda water? You're, you keep your uh, these soda water companies must their profits must have gone through the roof since you ca you since you came on. The <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> all good stuff, man. Uh, look, uh, James really enjoys the conversation, and uh, thank you for all those insights and information, and and plenty of inspiration for any man listening to this who wants to remove alcohol from his life, and if he does want to do so, of course I will add in the link in, in there in the show notes for the thirty day alcohol free plan or process so that'll be there for everything else where can they find you where can they reach out where can they see your work and and follow your brilliant content yeah i'm on instagram at, at james swanick they spell well not they i spell my last name s-w-a-n-w-i-c-k so it's got a silent w in there so it's at james swanick and then um the alcohol free lifestyle podcast 
is in Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Uh, and you can go to alcoholfreelifestyle.com to learn more about our, our programs and our processes. Brilliant, man. Thank you. And I'll also add a link in there for your uh, blue light specs as well. Oh, yeah, the blue light blocking glasses. Yeah, that's swanicksleep.com. You can also just type in my name into Amazon and, and now glasses will come up. They're, they're really, really effective in helping you sleep better. Yeah, sweet, man. I've got a pair myself, so, yeah, great job. Thank you, my man. Until next time, and until uh, I see you uh, at the Tottenham versus Manchester United game where we will beat you. <laughs> okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I look <Have> forward to it. <laughs> Cheers, yeah, thanks, man. Be a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.